Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the commentary for Macbeth, Act 3. I'm Colin Kelly. I directed this thing, and with me is... Catherine Pride. I am the dramaturge. I analyzed this thing. And I happened to be in it this time. Yay! So the music I've got here is kind of like the coronation piece, and just because I picture this happening as, like, Banquo's thinking all this, or... As Macbeth is literally getting the crown placed on his head. That's awkward. <laughs> Crap, I think he cheated. I may not know all the rules of this game, but I'm pretty sure you might have skipped a few parts of the bar. Tonight, solemn supper, ma'am. And I'll request your presence. Let your highness come uh, this is the point where Banquo's like, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna go. Um, if there's any way I could possibly not have to go to the banquet, that would be awesome. <laughs> nah, we want you here, says Darth Macbeth. Pretty much. But hey, since you're going somewhere, where are you going? Riding! As he, as he strokes his beard. Yeah, no kidding. I must become a borrower of the night. Yeah, Macbeth grew a beard somehow between last act and this one. Well, he is king. Maybe it's a a kingly. It's like a it's like a kingly right. <laughs> to be king, you must have a beard. I think this has to be the most David Tennant-ish of my performances. And I think I actually funny. gave you a note to give me more Dave Tennant. Yeah, you did. You told me to be even more Tennant than I already was. Well, it's because I think back in Act One, you said, "Ah, oh, that's too Dave. Uh, that's too Dave Tennant." I'm like, "No, that was good." <laughs> I'm literally saying this as I'm selecting takes. That was good. Give me more of that. Mental image of you yelling at my uh, at, at my audio file. That's fun. <laughs> I've had many a day like that with Avalon, so I understand exactly where you're coming from. At least I'm going, oh, that's amazing! Keep it up! <laughs> Supposed to, no, 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 no! Nothing but to be safe with us. So, fun fact, folks. Um, this is actually the second time Colin and I have had to do this commentary. So, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff we talked about the last time. And the thing that keeps coming to mind now is the fact that apparently when... But you said when Pete auditioned, he also was was talking about how he he used a David Tennant accent, which totally just made. I guess it means Banquo and Macbeth grew up together in Glasgow. <laughs> I actually think we were a lot funnier last commentary. That may just be me. No, we were much funnier last time because I was about fifteen times as loopy as I am right now. I hadn't eaten anything. I have barbecue Pringles this time. All bets are off. <laughs> I think I made it like a Darth Macbeth joke, because this is his evil monologue about turning to the dark side. We made so many jokes that commentary, and it's so sad, because now we're like, ha ha ha, thanks for coming to the commentary, guys. We're talking about the stuff that we didn't talk about, and the commentary you couldn't hear. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you now officially have reached commentary section. It was, so please, your highness. Oh! That's, well, uh, Kristen Bates! Now have you considered of my that oh. is Chris, playing one of the, uh, the murderers. Actually, all the murderers are the three witches, and they knocked that out of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, it's normally, um, in a stage production. You know, Macbeth, which is why I decided to do this. 
Uh, they have the murderers played by the witches, and I'm just like, oh, ladies, uh, give me something, you know, sinister, and I'm a bad guy. And they both came, all three of them came back with this, I'm going to kill someone voice that was just perfect for this. So good job, ladies. No, they do, I really, I really enjoyed having them as the uh, murderers. And uh, I liked how you kind of switched the order of the witches, so, so the, uh, you kind of got a different mix-up of the lines and, and the order of hearing the characters, so it really worked out well. Well, and um, I think the reason I did it was because, uh, I, you know, you try to, each of the witches and the murderers have, when you combine them, they have about the same amount of lines, unless uh, first witch and first murderer are the same person. Right. So just to make them more equal, I changed up the order, and now everyone, all the witches have the same amount of lines. So, so it's, it's nice and egalitarian of you. <laughs> well, then also, if you think about it, uh, third witch is played by Ambie Lay. Um, and she does an amazing job of it, but she has the least amount of lines. Or the first murder. The third murder. Yeah. yeah. But third the first witch. witch. Yeah. And the first witch you also hear in this, but you don't hear any of the other witches. So I have... You have a double dose of Ambulay. And folks, if you don't... You can tell just the difference between the two uh, characters, how she pulls her voice around. And it is awesome. And I another... So weary with disasters, tugged with fortune, that I would say. I wish I knew what it was about Chris that made it possible for her to drop her voice that deep. Both of you know I don't think I put any mods or anything on this. I think this no, is just no, no, that's, that's just her. I've heard her sound like that in the apartment, just hanging out. <laughs> sounds awkward. It sounds like I just walk around being like, Chris, speak in a different voice. Because it's fun. <laughs> It could be worse. She could just be, you know, standing in a room going, Well, I'm going to talk like this. No, it's weirder when she walks into a room and you don't know she's there and she talks like Lilith. Oh, God. That's the scariest thing in the world, man. I have seen people freak out. Though I lie. Within this hour at most, I will advise you where to plant yourselves. Acquaint you with the perfect spire that I can just listen to Pete all day. Which is good, because it's the third act of Macbeth, so I'm going to be listening to Pete the entire time. Yeah. The line breakdowns from Macbeth. You know, Lady Macbeth, 20 lines. Banquo, 16. Macbeth, 56, folks. And they're all monologues. Like, every line is like a monologue and a half. This is the Macbeth episode. Yes. Convenient, as the play is named after him. Yes. We are resolved. I guess it's a pizza then. I guess or something. The, I don't know. All I know is, you know, it's so tough because it's easy. It's really actually quite easy to listen to this act and not, you know, care that I'm listening to the same person talking um, for a while. Because the best part about Shakespeare is even though you have these massive monologues, you cast people who can who can understand what the monologue means and then when they're acting it, um, are able to convey the meaning behind it. Um, that's why the, the number one tenet you'll ever see in auditions for Shakespeare, because you post it all the time, is always understand what it is you're saying, folks. If you don't know what it means, go to Spark Notes, read the translation. Because that's how... That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the trick to understanding Shakespeare as an actor, is understand what you're saying. And then, when you're saying it back to the audience, even if it's foreign words, it sound totally out of 
the scope of how people actually talk. It's how you say it but let the frame and how you you throw emphasis that makes the audience understand. So, and this whole cast just knocks that right out of the park. Oh, definitely. It would be with the dead whom we to gain our piece of centerpiece than on the torture of our uh, to lie in restless... You know, Pete Milan, I swear, selecting takes for him is always fun because you have, he usually gives you like three to five, three takes huh. and each one has a different inflection or tone to it. And what's cool with his his Shakespeare is he puts pauses in between his sentences. So if I want to, I can mix and match his sentences and kind of break in line a monologue with just different tones and feels to it. Gotcha. I like to think it works very well. So, mostly because I'm sitting here going, ah, keep talking, Pete. You must leave this. Oh, full of scorpions. Is my and Mr. S. Keenan as Lady Macbeth. <laughs> Being oddly enough the voice of reason here. Going, no, no, no. No, don't try. Do not try to kill. No, don't do it. You need to stop. You're good. You're king. We're fine. We're set. <laughs> Meanwhile, Macbeth's just like, you know, once you turn to the dark side, baby, you can't stop. What's to be done? Be innocent of the knowledge, dearest yeah. Chuck, till thou applaud the deed. Come, sealing night, scarf up the tender eye at pitiful day. And again, and I've totally lost track because I'm just too busy listening to Pete. <laughs> bond which keeps me pale. Light thickens and the crow makes wing to the rocky wood. Good yeah, I'm doing the same. Pete's yeah, it's house. really easy to do that. Our night's black ages to their praise do rouse. Uh. Thou marvelst at my words, but hold thee still. Things bad begun make strong themselves by ill. So prithee, go with me. Pete seems to have this thing about playing characters in charge, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. What is he? Like Tommy Arkell, Gold. Mm -hmm. it's very, I guess Pete walks in a room and says, All right, people. Follow me. What does he do in real life? I honestly don't know. I used to know. And then I fell asleep once and forgot, so. <laughs> but the feeling that, you know, Pete's secretly a police officer or, like, some agent where it's usually like, come on, come with me, let's do this. <laughs> In reality, he works for the CIA. <laughs> that may explain you forgetting. Uh, so this scene... So, Colin, let's talk about the uh, Shakespeare and action scenes. Go for it. Oh, gosh. All right, the problem with uh, Shakespeare's action scenes is that I have to build them from the ground up. Um, because, literally, my guidelines are, they fight. Yes. So ambiguous. Um, so I kind of, like, try to figure out how it's going, generally by clues in the dialogue, but, and I hope it just comes across, but Banquo and Fleance are riding on a horse because he said he was riding, or she said he was, they were riding, and what happens is they get knocked off the horse, the horse gets scared and runs away, Banquo draws her blade and holds him off while Fleance runs away. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, that was all of five seconds of mixing. <laughs> <laughs> probably the second most uh, difficult thing for me to figure out how to do in this. Yes. 
And I had okay, so so I had all the all the death scene stuff, right? And then I had this line that, and I hate this because it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what Shakespearean work I'm doing. I always have a problem with the word hoe, um, just because it's you know it's clearly meant to be a call to someone to get their attention, but it never seems to come out right. And so I had to record, give us a light, ho, um, for that scene as they're approaching the murderers. And I did it like four takes. And every take sounded worse in my head than the last. And when I finally had one that actually sounded good, we listened to the final version of this episode and you have cut it out of the episode. <laughs> yeah, apologies to William Shakespeare and everyone who's going to be mad at me for cutting a line. Um it didn't fit with the pacing because you have, you know, the witches talking and talking and talking. And then randomly they stop talking for you to hear this line. Yeah. And it just didn't work. And I'm just like, uh, I, I just got to cut it. it. You know, as a director, you had to kind of make those calls that for the direct, the benefit of the piece and the clarity, um, it was just better to cut that line. So. Thank you, though, for resisting, <laughs> getting out, figuring out how to say the word ho in Shakespeare. It was just really funny because I had all that pain in the butt trying to do it, and then I was like, well, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. My royal lord, you do not give the cheer. The feast is sold. That is not often... Uh, Lady Macbeth oozing her charisma. To feed, we're best at home. That she, that's all she does. She's just like... Non-stop charisma. Now good digestion wait on appetite and health on both. May it please your highness. So the next challenging action cue. Banquo enters the scene. Who may challenge for audio? Um so what I wound up doing was when Banquo walks in, you of course hear a little wishy thing um, and then i start i have a theme from Macbeth's drum piece uh which is called stone world battle by kevin mcleod i actually sat down and remixed it um so it's nothing but those drum pieces and every time banquo's in the room you hear those drums drums yes because i love drums and it really works it really works yay <laughs> And again, the oozing of the charisma. And then everything's fine! Everything's just fine! Are you kidding me? You know, it's a good thing she didn't mention that Duncan bit. And nobody has no clue what she's talking about, because that could have gone very poorly. <laughs> yeah. What dagger? Oh, the one she saw before he killed him. What? <laughs> poor Macbeth. He's, well, no, not really. Not poor Macbeth, because I don't have any sympathy for the guy. He just killed his best friend. <laughs> poor Banquo. You just thought you were going out for a ride. Clear your head or something. I stand here. I saw her. Fie for shame. Blood hath been shed ere now in the olden time, ere human statue perished the gentle wheel. 
I am since two murders have been performed too terrible for me here. The times have been that when the brains were out, the man would die, and there an end. But now they rise again, with twenty mortal murders on their crowns, and push us from our stools. This is more strange than such a murder is. My worthy lord, your noble friends do lack you. <laughs> I do. Oh boy. Do not muse at me, my lord. <laughs> I think that's Peter as most David Tennant-ish. Mm-hmm. Come, love and health to all. And I'll sit down. Give me some wine. Yes, because booze is exactly what you need, Macbeth. I drink to the general joy of the whole table. And to our dear friend Banquo, whom we miss. No. This whole to scene is so messed up. I love it. <laughs> I love the third act. Our duties and the pledge. <laughs> third act is always when the best stuff, you know, sets up to happen. Let the earth hide thee. I love how he's just like, ah, oh, we're gonna have a toast, and hey, there's a ghost! Think of this, good peers, but as a thing of custom, you know, when you gotta everything's fine! Spoils the pleasure of the time. Well, you have to love how in each of these pieces, um, in each of these acts, he kind of had these smaller roles that Shakespeare's right in. That you know have one or two lines, and they're not really that um, prominent in the plot. At least they won't until Act Five. You know um, the things, and each one of the actors for them, though, uh, for Ross, Lennox, and Angus, uh, Karen Kaler, uh, Chris Acne, and Jack Hall, completely mm -hmm. just bring their A game, and you can instantly are know these guys and you connect with them even though they have like three lines yeah to be fair though every time jack Hawk speaks in this play i think he's castiel <laughs> every time he says stuff with the same epic kind of inflection i'm waiting for him to be like i'm the one who gripped you tight and raised you from perdition and then i'm gonna laugh hysterically so good job jack you're now castiel now that just reminded me of, you remember the joke we had um, last time was that Macbeth was going to be set in a homeowner's association oh, yeah. in the suburbs. Don't ever do it again, folks. It's going to be present day in the suburbs. Macbeth is in charge of the HOA. have blood. They say blood will have blood. Macbeth's king of the homeowner's association. So, like, Banquo dies in a freak lawnmower accident or something. What is the night? Hey, can I borrow your lower big bath? Oh, sure. Here we go. How sayst thou that Macduff denies his person at our great bedding? Did you send to him, sir? But no, and then, uh, now Angus is going to be wearing a trench coat if that happens. Not of one of them, but in his house I can discern. I will there you go. And betimes I will With his tie on backwards. <laughs> More shall they speak. Now. There we go, Matt. There's a great idea. Time, there you go. And every time uh, Hackney opens his mouth in this, I just kind of get cuted out, and so then I go and write more lines for him as Noir. <laughs> Chris, I'm allowed to do that. Strange things I have in head. Will to there are all sorts of strange things going on, Macbeth. Which must be acted <laughs> ere they may be scanned. You 
lack the season of all natures. Sleep. Come, will to sleep. My strange and self-abuse is the initiate fear that wants hard use. We are yet but young indeed. <sighs> it listen just between uh, the two voices. <laughs> oh, and hey, who's that? That's a voice we all haven't heard in a while. Hey! Yeah, so, I, so I may have done like two casting choices. I think that I hope people will enjoy. Uh, the first was the Porter in Act 1, or Act 2. Which I'm told on Twitter that I apparently caused a couple of car, almost caused a couple of car accidents in Dallas because of that. So people are driving along and, holy crap, who's that? <laughs> I, I like, I have to say, it was funny because I remember this. We were, you and I were sitting there looking at the script, and I mentioned, you know, the character, and I said, I said, she's one of my favorites. I said, I love her because she's, you know, the goddess of magic and the fun character. And you were kind of like, well, that's a good thing because you're going to be playing her. Because you're going to play her. And I was like, excuse me? And you're like, oh, yeah, no, you're playing her. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't uh, get a choice. And you're like, no, and I want you to play like the sea witch. And I was like, Alright then, I can do that. <laughs> it's, kind of like, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a reward for fans of Pendant who have been around for several years, you know, oh. getting to hear some of these voices that they haven't heard in a long time. So I'll try. Next thing you know, we'll have a. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think who else we could do. I don't know. Philip Weber as Iago. <laughs> yes. And you see at some point gets to say Neil. Anyway. <laughs> 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 Focus. Just to say, we haven't we don't precast oh, things, guys. You can audition for Pendant. Oh, yeah, no, audition. It's just randomly when I'm going through the bit parts, I go, you know, this this part would be funny if it was this. Let's make haste. She'll soon be back again. Ah, uh, the pyre. My form of speech is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I laugh like the just stupid fangirl when Chris opens his mouth. Ah! To be fair, though, I've been doing that for a very long time, and he knows that. Um, <laughs> Uh, Chris asked me. One of my favorite stories was the first yeah, pendant picnic where I met him and he kept dropping in a noir's voice and I just, I kept hugging him like all day. I was like, you're so precious! <laughs> Which noir voice? Noir kitten or noir panther? Well, he would do the regular voice and then occasionally you would mention like Sekhmet or something that made him upset and he would suddenly go into their voice in the middle of the park. <laughs> We would all kind of stop what we were doing for a second. They'd be like, oh, terribly sorry. She just really makes me angry. And I would just be like, you're so precious. And foreshadowing, folks. You know I love you. <laughs> yes, yeah, plenty of foreshadowing around here. Actually, I think the last three scenes were nothing but foreshadowing for what happens next act. I don't know that in that case it's considered foreshadowing so much as it's a uh, pretext. I mean, that's true. No, it's necessary stuff. Well, it's not really foreshadowing as I hope everyone knows what happens next. 
right? <laughs> Hither, <make them laughs> no kidding. Pray the Holy King upon his aid to wake Northumberland and Warlock. That whole Sue thing of I I hope you know this story. If not, I hope you know enough about this story to kind of know what's coming. From our feasts and banquets, bloody knives do faithful homage and receive free honors. All would be pine. And again. And this report has exasperated the king that he prepares for some attempt at war. Things do happen, Dean. The messenger turns me his back and comes as who should say. I'm useless. I'm useless. He's Castiel. I can't think of anything else now. You know, that would just need Chris Hackney to play either Sam or Dean. Some holy angel. Why to the court of England and unfold his messenger? I bet you Hackney could do a really good Dean. He soon returns to this. And, uh, hmm. I'm trying to think of who'd be a good Sam. Because, you know, I have nothing better to do, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're incredibly busy or anything. I'm fancasting some stuff. Jesus. Anyway, we'll figure that out for Act 4. By Act 4, I'll have come up with a voice act. Uh, anyway, okay, we're at the end of the episode now, folks. Thank you for uh, going on our little journey and my significant detour. Ladies and gentlemen, I keep her around to keep me, make me, make me look smart. So, <laughs> usually it's because she knows all, everything about Shakespeare. But I guess this way it's just distraction. We're getting to the middle of the play. I've done a lot of the talking about the play that I'm gonna do. So now at this point, I'm just like. <laughs> So I make him look smart because I'm being dumb. Yeah, so I invite you on here. Can't be dumb. Why can't you be dumb with friends? There you go. And the Shakespeare theme. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye.